Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with Santa Barbara Unified School District Board Member Virginia Alvarez. And it's kind of her anniversary. She was elected a year ago in November. So we have a lot to talk about. Virginia, how are you today? Uh, well, first of all, thank you, Josh. Thank you for the invitation. It's quite an honor to be here with you, the number one podcast in Santa Barbara. Well, how lucky am I? <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. Well, thank um, you. I'm doing well, so thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking time. And uh, I want to talk to you about a bunch of stuff related to Santa Barbara Unified School District. Uh, it's one of my beats. Uh, I cover it. I cover the board meetings. I'm always looking for stories there. And recently we had this story break. And uh, for for a lot of reasons, it's sort of controversial because it's one of those things that people were kind of upset that the info got out there. And then I wrote about it and uh, people are talking about it. And then it's out there on social media. But the Santa Barbara Teachers Association did this survey of its members. And I think it was um, a little close to 700 people about 315, 16 people responded. And uh, it was meant to be as constructive criticism for Hild Superintendent Hilda Maldonado in the context of an evaluation that is upcoming. Uh, however, the document was given to the board members. It, it was also given to members of the public. And, and, you know, I got a copy, members of the public, you know, gave it to me. And so, uh, it's newsworthy because the document is very critical of Superintendent Maldonado. So let's just start there. Uh, you you ran on a platform of you were kind of an outsider. You weren't part of the inner circle. You weren't somebody who was going to go in there just to get along. You were there to bring your knowledge, your experience, um, you know, both, you know, as a professional, but also, you know, your personal story, uh, experiencing what many of the children uh, are experiencing in the district. Um, what was your take on this survey? Let, let's talk about your reaction as a board member when you find out that the superintendent has these kind of feelings directed at her. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for asking that question. I know that's probably in a lot of people's mind. Um, what I do, what I can tell you and assure you is that I read every single comment that was <laughs> that was given, and I appreciate the comments that people are saying how they feel. I am extremely sad that it ended uh, the way it ended on social media, mm -hmm. because that is not okay. It's not okay for anyone, any individual to be given that kind of treatment, regardless of whatever, whatever the circumstances may be. So that makes me very sad that somebody made that decision. In addition to that, I also believe that the, the individuals who answer the questions, I do not believe that they intended for that to be in a public platform the way it is. So I'm also saddened about that. Uh, what I can tell you now as a board member is that I've read every comment. I take it extremely serious and I will do whatever I can to contribute to a good outcome for everyone. Mm -hmm. That I can promise you. Yeah, um, for no matter who it is to have the open-ended questions with that kind of narrative you could do a survey of just about anybody and find people who will respond negatively um were you surprised um however at the the extent of the the the, the feelings toward the superintendent she's new uh she, she she's a recent hire uh, and we know let's be honest superintendent jobs are tough uh, uh there, there's no superintendent out there who's like oh i had a great 20 year run and I never had any problems. The, the, the length of time that a superintendent serves is sort of limited. Um, so we know that uh, it's a tough job. It's not an easy job when you're dealing with family members, children, the parents. Uh, these are the most personal, volatile emotions that we get in a society when we have our children involved. So I always say, you know, um, kids bring out the best in adults and the worst because we're we can be really emotional. Um, 
based off of your knowledge of Hilda, your interaction with Nilda, Hilda, were you surprised when you saw this, this sort of perspective from teachers and counselors and therapists? Well, Josh, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of feeling old now because I've been doing this job for so many years. And as you know, part of my job is doing human resources in another district, also in a public school. And I've also participated in a lot of recruitments and also the hiring of superintendents. So I know the, the back end of that. And I can honestly tell you that's the hardest job to fill. Yeah. for any district, for any district across California, and especially in California. Uh, I mean, people joke around that California, it's its own country, because not only do we have, of course, all the personnel laws, the labor laws, all of that, but we also have the education code, which no other state has, only California. And then you, on top of that, you have the collective bargaining agreements, and on top of that, Hilda came at a time where is the pandemic. Oh my goodness. I mean, no superintendent around the world had ever been in that situation. And that brought forward, as you mentioned, everything that you mentioned, as a parent, as an employee myself. I mean, I, I know a lot of teachers. My world is around teachers. I can't remember when I when I haven't been around teachers. And everything changed for everybody. So the emotions are really hard, high. There's burnt out, Josh. I'm gonna tell you, there's total teacher burnout out there. Employees are tired. Now we're, they, look what they have to do now. Not only do they have to teach like before because there's still expected outcomes, academic outcomes, that's still expected. They have to monitor that kids are not next to each other, that they're separated, that they're wearing their masks. They have to, like admin has to do COVID testing now. They have to do tracking. They have to be calling parents. Josh, it's a whole different world. So you put all of that together and the emotions are really, really high. So I take that into consideration every single day because I live it. You don't need to tell me, I see it. And my husband works at a school. He sees that as well. I have, like I tell you, I have a lot of friends and education cannot be the way it was. We have been in a reactive mode for the last two years because we had to, we had to, and we had to keep changing and keep, keep changing. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for you as a parent. It's frustrating for me as an employee. It's frustrating for me as an admin. It's frustrating for me as a board member. So you put all of that together and, and it's, it's difficult for everyone. I'm not gonna tell you, it's not difficult. Your question was, were you surprised? And I'm gonna tell you to a certain extent, mm -hmm. to a certain extent, yes. And I feel I need, I need to be more connected myself because I can only speak for myself. I'm not representing anybody. I need to be more connected with the school sites. I need to do a better job as a board member to go visit the school sites. I mean, I, I try, my goal, my personal goal is to go to the school sites, uh, two schools or do at least twice a month. And I've been, I've been keeping up with that goal because I also have a full-time job, yeah. but I need to do more. I need to do more, but you know, the good news, Josh, and this is what I want to tell you because this is what I'm really happy about. Uh, the schools that I visited, it's not like they're doing a, a dog and pony show for me because I'm there, they're not. I see the kids are learning. The kids are happy. The kids are so happy to be back. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. There's a lot of work to do and I'm the first one to tell you. Mm -hmm. But I see the teachers in their classrooms. I see them teaching. I see them, the kids learning. We just had a, a gardening revive last, uh, a week ago at La Colina. And we had like 50 volunteers there. Uh, the bucket brigade was there. The, there were teachers there. There were students there on the weekend. The principal was there digging, the assistant principal, the dean. They were all there working. And I was there. And it was just such a beautiful thing to see. Before that, I went to Dos Pueblos. And I met uh, at the engineering academy. And I stayed there probably for a good two hours. And you know what? I see students learning. They're hands-on. 
And one of the things that I was so happy to see, because when I was a parent there, I mean, a lot of things have changed, is that there's so many girls now in that program. There's a great increase in the number of girls than when my kids were there. And, and that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me saying, look, we, we're doing good things. And yes, we can do better. And I can talk to you about other things that I have in mind in a few minutes, if you want me to. Yeah, um, I want to go to sort of a, a, a look at the positives that you've seen in the first year at the district in a second. One more question related to sort of, you know, the cabinet and, and, and Hilda. You know, I did a story back in August, you may have read, it involved some uh, comments from, from individuals regarding turnover in the cabinet, people who had been reassigned, people who had retired, people who have taken different jobs, um, Maria Larios Horton, you know, moves from a very important equity position over to Galita. Uh, you know, Todd Rickman is no longer, you know, he's going to become a teacher. Um, a bunch of other changes there, you know, sort of in the cabinet. Can you talk at all about that, the turnover in, in the cabinet and the administration? And to what degree is that connected to the new superintendent? Well, I can give you three answers, okay? Because I have three different perspectives. One perspective is my own experience. My own experience, I've worked for, I think, five superintendents now in my career. And every time there's a change in leadership, it's not unusual for people to say, you know what, this is time for me to make a change in my personal life. Um, and they could be different components. One component is, for example, the, the pension system, the retirement system that we have. So there's people that say, you know what, I've worked in this system for like 20, 25 years. I had an estimate done and I'm ready to go. I, I just don't want to deal with change again. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means, you know what, you're done. You're ready to go. You're ready to move on. So that, I remember that happened in one of my jobs. We had about 15 teachers retire. And then the community was saying, oh, my God, the school's falling apart. It's terrible. It's terrible because they, everybody's leaving. No, well, they all had been there for over 30 years and they were ready to go. So, see, that's one factor that we have to keep in mind. People's personal life, people's personal goals. So that's one factor. And, and, of course, the general public doesn't know that. Then the other factor is that people might want to pursue different opportunities. And this is the deciding factor. They say, you know what, I've been here a long time. I want to reach a new opportunity. Specifically to your question, as you know, I've only been here a few months. It, like you say, it's my anniversary. So I never really got to know the people that you just mentioned. Yeah. I never met Todd Rickman, mm -hmm. never. I never seen him face to face. I didn't, didn't have that opportunity. I met briefly, Maria, I met, I met her briefly uh, a couple of times, but I never had the opportunity to develop a working relationship with any of these employees, which I wish I had. Because it would, part of it was because of the pandemic and we were doing remote meetings. So I never had that opportunity to get that relationship. Yeah. So that's, I'm not, I'm not a wealth of knowledge right now in regards to that specific situation. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, you know, that's fair. Uh, Meg Jette retiring, you know, we can go rehash that story, but um, let's talk a little bit about your first year on the board and, and what, what do you see as sort of the issues that you've dealt with? Uh, what have been the positives? What are the areas that you continue want to focus on going forward? Okay, well, the positives I think I told you a little bit about. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I see we have such, such a committed group of teachers, Josh. I mean, I, maybe one day in the future we can do a tour. You and I can do a tour and somebody else. But like over the summer, I made it a point that I wanted to go see as, as many programs as I could in the summer learning. Mm -hmm. So Dawson, the student board member, and I, we dedicated a day and we went to every single elementary site. And you know what, I, like I told you, I see really committed teachers. 
And that's that's great. That that gives me so much hope. Now, what I want to do, and I'm only one person, I'm only one vote. I make that perfectly clear to people. Just because Virginia wants it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But what I want to see now is, I don't know if you saw the board meeting on Tuesday. I, I want us to take a step back. Okay, doesn't mean everything's going to stop. And we're not going to work in the important initiatives that we have. What I want us to do is to take an inventory. In, in my world of finance, this would be called an audit. But I don't want to call it an audit because people get really nervous. Because it's not that you're doing something bad. You're not. But like I said, for the last two years, we've been in this reactive mode. And I think our mind is in that mode right now that it's like the fire hydrant and we're trying to take a drink. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. It's not going to be efficient for anybody. And like I mentioned before, there's teacher burnout, there's office staff burnout. I see admin, they're tired, Josh, they're tired and understandably so. So what I like to see is for us to take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to put it in three categories. I have it all in my head. Okay. So one category, let's look and see what is working, right? What is working? Number two, okay, what are the questions to be answered? The questions to be answered is what's the problem we're trying to fix, which we can, you and I can both agree is the achievement gap is one of them, right? The other one is the social emotional learning. The other one is what the pandemic brought upon us. And of course, we have to think about finance. You can never do anything without your finance, but that's a given, okay? So I'm not gonna talk about that because that's a given. And then the other one is how are we bringing our partners into this thought? Who are our thought partners? Our thought partners are the teachers, the principals, the cabinet, and the students, and what about parents? You need to have a clear picture of all of that before you can start building another system. And the opportunity that we have before us now is that we have to look at all of that because teaching cannot be the same it was before the pandemic. It's not gonna be the same. As much as we want it, it's not because the students are not the same. Your the sixth grade students that the kids that were sixth graders during the pandemic are eighth graders now. They didn't learn how to be in junior high. They didn't learn that transition. You know, the kids that were in kindergarten, we have to really be honest with ourselves and say, and say, did they really have a good foundation in early literacy? Are they do they even know how to read to advance? What about mathematics? It will, uh, anyways, and we need to say, okay, how is this working for different populations? Once you list all of that, then you say, okay, who do we need to bring in? Well, number one, you have to bring in your teachers. You have to bring in your principals. You cannot be making a decision without that input. I mean, I have a long list, list of things here that I wanted to share with you. And one of the things is that the real, the long-term consequences of the pandemic are starting to show. And if they're starting to show, we need to make a shift. You can no longer be this reactive board, this reactive uh, teaching. Now you got to be the proactive person. You have to integrate, integrate sustained attention to mental health, to reading, to writing, we, we, and that's the part that, that's why I say we need to take a step back. Not that we're going to lose focus or that we say we're done, but let's take a step back. Let's talk to the teachers. Let's talk to the students. You know, I, I really miss not having the principals at the board meetings. I haven't met a lot of the new principals yet. Yeah. And like last week, we had the single school for uh, student achievement, the plans for each school. And, and we don't get to talk to the principals. Yeah. We read the report, but we don't have that interaction with the principals. <laughs> and, and to me, that's missing. 
Yeah, I would. It would. There. I remember there were reports from uh, school sites, student reports. You know, students would talk about what was going on. The student leadership at the high schools would come give a report at the beginning. Uh, it would be nice to have a superintendent come, or sorry, a, a principal come and sort of give an update. Uh, we don't really see that with the with the pandemic anymore. Um, Hilda's done sort of the the cultural awareness. We've had some performances, you know, and that's nice. Um, but yeah, that is a good point. What would the format like? Let, let's say you know, you know, talking to teachers, including them, are those town hall forums? Are those? Uh, focused meetings um you know with just certain board members or i mean how would how would you do that how would that play out well i think like i said there's different components and that's why i, I when i talk about the the order of operation because that's what makes sense in my head um is that you you have to start first of all what are you looking for right you that's what you have to start so that's what i, I put in my in my first quadrant <laughs> i put okay what, what's working? What are we doing? Number one, right? What's working? What do we want? And how are we going to get there? And what I think we need to determine that as a board first. Yeah. And then from that direction, then I would say, then the superintendent brings the how. And what I would like to see is, okay, we all agree that we want to focus on equity right? Equity in learning, equity in, in teaching. So we all agree on that. What we need to figure out is the how. And to make sure that we there's that there's no unintended consequences, that those unintended consequences are not that you are going to dismantle a program that is working well, and that is helping a lot of kids. And that's the fine line. And that's the part that I feel a great responsibility as a board member, Josh, to make sure that I'm addressing the needs of kids like myself, while at the same time addressing the needs of students who might be a little bit higher than me or maybe even lower than me. Do you see? And that's where I'm trying to get at. And, and, and for me, the way I see it, the way for us to get to that point is to determine, okay, this is what we need. We need to figure out what's working well. We need to figure out what we wanna do, this questions that we need to answer. And we are going to have a collaboration with the teachers because if the teachers are not in the room, it's not gonna work. Yeah. I guarantee you that 100%, the teachers have to be in the room. So once that, for example, let's say cabinet takes the lead on that, right? Because they're the ones that are going to have the discussion with the teachers. They go, they should have a really passionate discussion. They should have people disagreeing. They should have people agreeing because that's where great ideas come from. If I only hang around with people that like me and that think like me, I'm never going to grow. I want you to tell me that this color doesn't look good on me. I want you to tell me, Virginia, you know what? You're wrong. Mm-hmm. look at this consider this point of view because that's how we grow so that's the way i see it where, where you have your principals your cabinet members your teachers discussing the storming part you know and then they come up with with an idea and come up with components of that plan so they when they come back with those components that's when they you have the board discussion. I, I have me as a board member. It's really not my place to be in the discussion with the teachers, with the principals. That's not my role. Um, my role is to say, okay, oh yeah, you bring in this plan, you have this component. Well, what about this? What about that? What about that? That's the way I see it. The collaboration. Yeah, well, very well said. Um, you know, I'm one of those parents that had a kindergartner during the pandemic, you know, and now is in second grade. So, uh, you know, those are things that, you know, I'm not talking about them in the abstract, you know, as the reporter, you know, just wanting to go after the school board, you know, I sort of see the other end on the ground, you know, all the time. Uh, my kids or my daughter is Galita Union School District, but it's very much, you know, it's this similar things. And I do have a son who's in the Santa Barbara Unified School. So I got both, I get the oh. best of both worlds. <laughs> so. see, one, of, one of the things, Josh, too, that I don't want to forget is we have to go back to the basics. Yeah. 
I mean, if if a person doesn't have a strong foundation in literacy and reading and, and writing math, you're never going to survive. I always get such a um, kind of a surprise when people tell me that they're saying you don't understand equity, you you just don't get it, you're hurting kids. And I said, look, I, I believe you me, I, I get it. One of the things that helped me to be somewhat successful, quote unquote, in school, because I barely, I mean, it's not like I was greatly successful, you know, I, I graduated from high school. Um, because I had a really strong foundation, Josh, in my maternal language. I was a fluent reader in Spanish and I knew my math facts. I knew my timetables. I knew addition, subtraction, um, you know, that sort of thing. I, I bet you a, a million dollars, Josh, that if I did not have that foundation, I would not have learned. I would probably have not even graduated from high school. And I think we need to get back to those basics. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you're, you're right that there are many people who see equity as focus on some and take away from others. And that narrative has to be changed, that, that equity is about meeting all kids where they're at. So if, if you happen to be a parent who thinks, well, my kid is over here and I don't want those kids to be taken away instructional time from my kid. You want to meet those kids, you know, meet them where they're at, challenge them so that they can re reach their standards. And then there's this other perception with equity that with um, certain kids, there's not high standards that that you're just going to make them feel good in the classroom, but you're not going to teach them critical thinking or you're not going to teach them what they need to learn to be successful. So there's that other misperception. So there's all of this misunderstanding that takes place around the world of education because most people only know what they know, right? Wherever their kid is at, that's what they know, but they don't really know what other people are experiencing. So, you know, that's the, that's the piece. That's, that's the puzzle that, that everybody's trying to, trying to solve. Can you talk real squarely about equity and high standards? Because I hear that all the time. Oh, the board wants to lower standards. You know, during the vaccine, uh, I'm sorry, during COVID, uh, nobody could fail a class. Remember that? Remember how controversial it was? Was everybody's going to get a C or better? Oh, how could you do that? That's going to hurt. You know, some people will be like, how, that's going to hurt my kid's ability to go to a university. And uh, that's going to scar them forever academically. Can you talk about the, the correlation between equity and the people who we're trying to help, you know, with the achievement gap and still having high standards and how those go together? Uh, well, first of all, let me tell you, I, I think we can do that. Yeah. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. I'm not going to kid myself or, or anyone else. Um, it makes me think I'm, I'm here, just bear with me a little bit. I just have to tell you a little story because it reminds me of when I was in ninth grade. So when I was in ninth grade, you had to take swim lessons. And I, I never learned how to swim. I had never been in a pool till I was in ninth grade at San Marcos High School. So I didn't even own a bathing suit, Josh. And then I'm in, the, in, in a class where you have kids who are already in the swim team, who were already in other aquatic sports. So how was I ever going to be at that level? No, because of course that class was only one quarter. So no matter how hard I worked, I didn't know the basics. I had the desire, I was there early. I was, you know, my dad, we went to Kmart at the time and he got me a bathing suit. But I, no matter how hard I work or how committed my parents were, I was never going to advance to the level where my peers were already in the swim team. So I remember the teacher, what she did was what we call now differentiate, right? Where they teach at the different levels. So what she did is she had the, the students who were very advanced. She gave them their, their assignment, what they had to do. Right, and then she worked with the kids that were in the in the middle, and she would have some of the kids that were already advanced help the ones in the middle lane, and then she got in the pool, 
with me and a couple of other kids. And she was showing us how to blow bubbles and how to float while you have this other kids going, you know, with the (laughs) breaststroke. I mean, so that's what makes sense to me. That's how I understand it. Where we don't have to stop the kids that are saying, okay, you cannot swim fast anymore because Virginia is learning to blow bubbles. That would be taken away from them. On the contrary, we are going to look for ways so that Virginia can get in the middle lane and then getting in that lane without being ran over, right? Mm -hmm. And the way to do that as a board member, I feel my responsibility is to look at everything, to interrogate the curriculum. Let's ask questions. Is the curriculum meeting the needs, number one? Number two, are we providing the resources for the teachers, the right resources for the teachers to carry out that that job? And are we providing the resources to the principals to support that job? And what do I mean by that? Well, Josh, look, when I was in swim class, it was a very large class because PE classes are usually larger. You cannot have the same number of kids in a, let's say, uh, like me, I was in the remedial reading class. And it wasn't remedial because I was, and I don't know what it's called now, if that's politically incorrect now, but because, not because I didn't know how to read because I didn't know the language. Yeah. But being in that small class in the reading center, what they used to call the reading center, I, we only had about 10 or 12 kids and one teacher. And being in that class, Josh, I was able to get that, that uh, attention that individual that individual learning and then I was able to transition to the regular English class with my peers with the native speakers so I I feel that we as a board or me personally because I can only speak for myself need to look at how we can help the teachers carry out this task whether that could be smaller class sizes maybe whether that could be additional support in the classroom, maybe, or maybe I don't know because I'm not the expert. The teachers are the ones doing the job. I'm not. Yeah. You know, small class sizes are, are such a, um, I'm such a believer in them. You know, um, my son went to a, um, an independent school from K through uh, sixth grade Uh 11 students, 12 students, 15 students, the amount of teacher time that the, all the students get is, is amazing, you know? So, I mean, that's something right there. If there's a way to have smaller class sizes, you will see results instantly, immediately, you know, with that. And then to go back to your point about being fluent in your native language. um, So, are you, are you saying that, you know, we, we get speakers, um, you know, we get monolingual Spanish speakers <laughs> early on in the school district, um, teaching them in their language will help them become better English language uh, uh, speakers as well as writers, correct? And so are you saying we need to help those students better and fluently learn their native language before simultaneous i mean this is a con um it's not really controversial because i guess the research shows if you know two languages you know you do way better down the road you kind of have a a hump in the middle like it takes a bit longer but by what eighth grade ninth grade bam you know you're you're doing better than your peers and you know we got mckinley with the dual language immersion can you talk i mean you're an expert on this Um, how important is it to be teaching spanish to students who speak Spanish in the home when they go to school? Well, I, I don't want you to call me an expert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I can tell you I'm an expert in my own personal life, but I'm not an expert in teaching. Um, well, I, I think there's, I don't think there's one answer to that, Josh. Okay. Because me, I, my, I grew up with two teachers in my house. My aunts were teachers. So while kids came home and they would go to play, I had to learn my timetables. You know, I didn't like it at the time, but I'm grateful now. 
And when I came to McKinley, they didn't have any programs like they do now. Everything was English, full immersion, 100%. So if you ask the academic experts, they're going to tell you, I did not learn the proper way. I didn't learn English the proper way. And they're probably right. Because the way I learned is we had this wonderful, beautiful lady whom I, whom I love because she helped me so much and she was so kind. She was what you would call a paraprofessional. So she would come and pull me out of the class and then she would work with me on the hallway and she would help me memorize the words. So, and if you ask um, the teachers, they'll say that's not the right way to learn. So it's an important for kids to have a, a full understanding of their maternal language. I would say it's important for kids to be literate, to know how to read and have the basics because we have kids that come from other countries, not just Spanish speaker countries, speaking countries. I mean, I know kids that speak Arab and we don't teach them in Arab, do we? <laughs> So I would say what I would like to know more is how are we teaching kids to read, to learn how to read? Because if we teach kids how to read, later on they will read to learn. And if we teach kids the basic mathematics, then they don't, they're on the right pathway. Because Josh, let me tell you, it's impossible, impossible to catch up and keep up. I can tell you that from my swimming class. I was never able to catch up and keep up. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about your story. You know, you, um, you, you talked about it when you ran for office. The media covered it very well. Uh, but you, you are an immigrant to this country and you, you know, you've, you've um, done an amazing job, you know, navigating the public school system. And uh, people point to you as a success story, right? Um, and can you talk a little bit about how your challenges and how difficult it was and, um, you know, how you were, how, how were you treated in the public school? So you mentioned an amazing teacher here that helped you, right? Uh, but, you know, what was your experience like coming to the country and not really knowing English? Well, thank you for, thank you for bringing that up. I mean, I was... Let me tell you. So I'm going to give you the highlights, obviously. So when I came here, I, I, I would have been in fourth grade. However, one neighbor told my father, oh, no, no, don't enroll her in school. Just wait till the next school year. And my dad didn't know any better. So my parents say, OK, well, you're just going to hang around at home. And I said, well, OK, you know, whatever your parents say. So I basically wasted uh, months and months in, in home instead of being enrolled in school. So by the time I got enrolled in school, I was um, the, the principal or whomever said I needed to be in fifth grade. So in fifth grade, I was one of another, of another student who did not speak any English, uh, a Chinese uh, girl. So it was, they called the Chinese girl and the Mexican girl. So both of us were in the, literally in the back of the class because the teacher just had no clue what to do. So the teacher would go on with his lecture and we didn't know. We just sat there being the good kids that we were. We just sat there and listened. And then the teacher started doing math. And then nothing was happening. So I raised my hand. And then he went like this. So I went up to the board, to the chalkboard back in those days. And I started doing the math. And that was the common language that I had, right? And that's how kind of like the teacher became aware of me. So at recess, he would walk out with me, hold my hand, and then he would look for kids to play with me. And he would say, you need to play with her. And I have to tell you, most of the time I was by myself because if, if my friend wasn't there, then it was me by myself. Anyways, fast forward, the, the lady that helped me to memorize things and then my dad brought, bought me a Spanish and English dictionary. So I would look up words that I didn't know. And then I would watch KYT. I watched the news every single day. And then I would repeat what they said. Yeah. So I learned really fast. Mm -hmm. But I was never at grade level. And that's what's happening right now, Josh. That's what's happening too. Because 
we say, okay, kids are now reclassified. Now they're, they're, they're moving to the regular English. Yes, but they're still, you're a sixth grader or a seventh grader, you're, you're at third grade level. And that's the part as a district, as a board, I want us to look at. And I want us to have a plan and say, how are we gonna take those kids that are eighth graders in an English third grade level and bring them up? So anyways, uh, I went through junior high, high school. I never knew I could go to college. I never knew I had so much potential, Josh. I loved math. And when I was, I think at the beginning of 10th grade, uh, there was this teacher, I think, I don't think even think the teachers are around anymore. They said, oh, congratulations. You don't have to take math anymore. You met the requirement for graduation. I said, what? But I didn't know. I didn't know any of those things. I was one of those things of those kids that fell through the cracks. I graduated from high school because I loved to read. I did well in my classes. And there, there was one teacher, there are two teachers actually, Mr. Moser and Mr. Starfest, who were always saying, you can do this, you can do this, read this, read that. And I actually focused into in the career uh, technical education classes. I took a lot of typing, I took accounting, <laughs> I took bookkeeping. Because I never knew I could go to college, Josh. No one ever said, oh, the Mexican kids can go to college. So I, I was at such a disadvantage, even though I had the potential, the capability, the desire. And also, I never knew, how am I going to pay for it? You know, I had the desire to do it. But my parents couldn't afford it. I mean, I've been in the workforce since I was, I'm not joking. I was, since I was in junior high, I've been working. So right after high school, I went to uh, what they called Santa Barbara Business College. I don't even think it exists anymore. Um, I had a full time. And then eventually I went back to school, to City College. I love City College. I did all my GE. Eventually I got my bachelor's and I have two master's now. In, in business and finance, because that's what I love. That's what I had. Yeah. But I never had that opportunity. Yeah. And I, I believe you. Um, I always tell people, you know, occasionally, you know, at this age, people will, it will come up. What, what did you get on your SATs in high school? You know, be asked, you know, and my, my wife, you know, uh, you know, early on, you know, 20 years ago would ask me, and I thought, I never took an SAT. No, no, no one ever asked me to take. I, I don't even recall the question coming up. Like SATs are coming. <laughs> like, obviously I heard the term on television and other people had talked about the SAT, but um, it was never a thing where anyone ever recruited. And our situations, you know, um, I'm first generation, so I was born here, okay? My father was born in Mexico, so we're a little bit different. Um, but um, I was the same thing. When I, I, you know, I was majoring in accounting, um, I could, you know, um, spreadsheets, right? And, and um, I took computer classes and office classes, and I went to Santa Barbara City College, and I'm like, I can do this. You, at least you found a teacher kind of in high school. I didn't find a teacher. No offense to all my teachers in high school <laughs> until, until community city college. The first teacher I found who said, you have potential, you can do it. You know, you, and in fact, it wasn't even like that. It was like, why aren't you like, mm -hmm. why do you have such, why do you have these standards for yourself? You should have these standards for yourself, you know? And that was Patricia Stark, who's a journalism teacher. So here I am, you know, 18 years old before somebody actually said, you can do this, you know? So um, obviously we're all going to say it's better now, but um, I think if we're being honest, there are still kids in the system where um, they're going to go all the way and they're never going to have somebody say, you know, you need to do this and you need to go to college and I'm going to help you, you know, and all it takes is that little invitation, that little path. And, you know, people like us, we don't need the big doors, right? We just the little path. We'll figure it out from there, you know? So, you know, I think that that's a good goal to, to have, you know? 
Well, that's part of that plan that I talked to you about. Yeah. Because like you said, we're hard. I mean, there's hardworking people. Yeah. There are. Students have the desire. They have the potential. We just need to put them on that right path. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the driving factors for me running for the board, as I told you before. I mean, this is not about me. This is not about me, anything else, you know. This is about me trying to make a difference, a systemic difference that is going to help all the kids because I'm sure there's other kids in the same situation that have a total different background, but we need to help them. We need to be, number one, we need to be aware. We need to acknowledge it. We need to believe it, right? And then we need to make sure that there's action along with that. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed watching you on the board because, uh, you are your worker, right? You're, you you dive deep and you want to talk the, about the issues. And for some people, you know, it's a political board. Um, you know, it's 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 a place to pivot and maneuver. Um, I don't get that sense with you. You know, I get that sense that you're there to to make an impact with uh, with the students. Um, I want to sort of um, just give you kind of the last word here, an opportunity to sort of talk about. Um, you know, you're one year in to this four-year term, right? So much to do. Um, how, how do we how do we fix the achievement gap? You talked about so many of these things already, but um, you know, what are, what are some of your goals for the district going forward? Whether it's improving morale among teachers, whether it's closing the achievement gap, you know, whether it's reaching out, you know, like I, when I watch the school board members and Jerry Roberts always criticizes me for this. Um, I think the board needs to do a better job of reaching out to the angry parents, even if they're uh, maybe not aligned with the mainstream of what most people think in terms of, you know, vaccinations or science or education that I often think the board is, it can be certain members, maybe at times the group, um, you know, a little bit dismissive of those voices and nobody likes to feel excluded right nobody you know and these are again parents with kids so of course they love their kids so um you know i feel like the board could do a little better just sort of making all the people feel included including the people who are critical of the board but i would just give you a last word here you know like what does the next three years look like for for virginia alvarez going forward well i actually agree with you josh on what you just said Mm-hmm. I, 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 I want to say enjoy, but then that might be giving people the wrong, <laughs> the wrong impression, but I welcome different points of view because like I told you before, that's how we grow. Um, not to be abusive. That's not okay. You know, that's not okay. We got to be civil. We, you and I can have a total, total civil disagreement and I'm still going to respect you. I may not agree with you, but I'm still going to respect you and I'm still going to be happy to see you. I do, I tell, whenever people reach out to me or they're upset at something, I said, send me an email. What's a good time for me to call you? And even people that are really angry at me that have done that, I try to reach out. Except when it becomes threatening, then that's, that's where I draw the line. That, that's not okay. Um, but yes, I do agree with you. There's room for growth uh, as far as outreach. I, I, that's one been one of my goals. And it's okay to have different points of view. And it's okay not to agree as long as we're not being disagreeable ourselves. Right. So that's my, that's my theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you asked me what's next for me in, in the three years that I have left. Well, there's short-term and long-term goals. Uh, The short-term goal is, number one, to listen to teachers and students right now. We have to listen, or I can only speak for myself. I have to listen to teachers and students. Um, We have to think about, listen to their ideas. We have to listen to their, uh, their hopes, their dreams, their fears, because... Yes, we're about academic achievement, Josh. We are. At the same time, we're human. We're building people. This is not corporate America. This is a public school at Santa Barbara, a beautiful town. We know each other. 
you and I will probably go to the grocery store, see, see you at the grocery store sometime soon. So my short-term goal is that I need to do a better job in listening to students and teachers. I wanna do a better job in outreach to school site admin. How are you feeling? How's it going? How can we help you? And I wanna do a better job also in the outreach to the community. And that part, I'm not sure how right now because of the limitations that we have as far as the pandemic. My vision, my goal is to someday have a study session just about communications. We're not gonna talk about, we're not gonna solve any specific issue. We're not gonna talk about the achievement gap. No, I wanna know, Josh, you as a member of the public, as my constituent, how we can do better to communicate the way that's gonna work for you. Because the way that works for me, that doesn't work for you. So that's another goal. And then the big, the big, the big goal is what I just told you. <laughs> Come up with a really sustainable plan about meeting students where they're at. The basics, the early literacy, the reading, the writing, the mathematics. Because Josh, if, I, if you have that, you're gonna fly. If you have those three components, you can be in whatever other classes because you have that strong foundation. I, I, I keep thinking when I was learning to blow bubbles, to float, once I got that, I was able to go across the pool and then I can do the hard work. Then I can come and practice every day. Then I can catch up because if we don't give you that, it's not gonna happen. So that's the, the third point with, with the plan that I have in my head. And of course, then, you know, we can also, we also have to look, we, we have to, at some level, change the goals of teaching and learning. You can't say these are the goals today, and you're going to stay with those goals forever, because things evolve. And then the other part is, we have to communicate with stakeholders who are not in school every day, because we, it's our own world. But they have a different perspective. And then we need to partner to seek sustainable change. We need to partner with community organizations. We need to reach out to our elected officials. <laughs> and we need to reach out even to Sacramento because sometimes we need changes at that level. So th that's the way I see it, but you know, it's three years. <laughs> it's not 20. <laughs> Well, um, I really appreciate you taking the time. This this time really flew by. I feel like we could talk for another hour. We could. So we'll have, we'll have to, um, you know, do this again um, soon. So I appreciate you taking time to sit down, address some of the news of the day, but also the, the longer term, much more important issues that uh, parents and families and people in the community are, are looking forward to solving. So thanks a lot, Virginia. I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Josh. Take care of yourself. All right. Thank you.